Good News, Good Night, a weekly deep dive on good news stories throughout time. My name is Em. I'm so happy you're here. Please remember to subscribe, share this podcast with your nearest and dearest, and rate and review on iTunes so that other people can find me. You can always find my sources in the show notes, find me on Instagram at goodnews underscore goodnight, and because you're probably wondering, this beautiful song, False Hopes is from cursedurvy.jpg featuring Soda Cheek. I hope you enjoy this week's story and that you sleep well. Hello everyone. Sorry again for my absence. Life got a little bit hectic for a while, but I am back. To make up for it, this episode is a little longer than usual. Now, let's get straight into it, shall we? We often talk about the negative effects that we have on the planet and on the non-human inhabitants. I remember learning about extinct and endangered species as a young child and feeling a panic-stricken sense of doom. This anxiety and worry has never truly left me. What we rarely talk about and hear about, though, are the species that have been saved from a nearly inevitable end, which I think is pretty strange because it's such great news. The way that animals on this earth, including us, have evolved means that extinction of certain species, subspecies and geographical populations is always inevitable. However, the explosion of the human population and the intense effect of our modern lives has put an enormous strain on the planet and forced many animals to the brink of extinction that otherwise would have been thriving. Most of these species are incredibly important parts of our ecosystems and are just as deserving of a chance at life as us humans. Since the year I was born, there have been almost 48 species of animals rescued from the brink of extinction thanks in part to the UN Convention on Biological Diversity. I think the one that has impacted me most was the absolutely astonishing comeback of the world's humpback whale population. However, I think I will leave this story until lucky last, as it is particularly special to me. So let's start instead with the biggest cat on this beautiful globe, the Siberian tiger. Tigers are amazing creatures to behold. The sheer power you can sense in their huge, muscular bodies is equal parts impressive and terrifying. The silence of their huge, heavy paws as they touch the earth seems to defy the laws of physics. If you have ever taken the time to watch a tiger closely, perhaps on TV or in a zoo, you will have witnessed their calm, calculated way of assessing the world and how it seems there must be such wisdom behind their eyes. Before the beginning of the 20th century, tens of thousands of these magnificent creatures peacefully roamed their habitats from the far east of Russia all the way through to the Korean peninsula 
Then came widespread and systematic hunting to make way for human development and capture to be placed in zoos. Suddenly, in the 1940s, it was estimated that only 40 wild Siberian tigers remained, and it kind of appeared to be an impossible task to save them from the fate of their cousins, the Caspian tigers. Even so, Russia brought in legal protections for the tiny Siberian tiger population in 1947, which halted the ongoing devastation. And since then, along with many breeding, conservation, rescue and reintroduction programs all over the world, recovery is slowly but surely happening. It is now estimated that the wild Siberian tiger population is over 500 and still growing steadily. Still just as big and furry, but in a much cuter and less scary way, is the panda. As sweet as they are, pandas are pretty lazy. They eat, move, and importantly, breed slowly. So couple this with the destruction of their habitats and widespread poaching, over the last 200 years, their wild numbers have plummeted. In 2004, a poaching ban was enacted and panda reserves were created to protect this species and give them much-needed respite to be able to very slowly repopulate. In the 10 years after this, the population grew by 17%. They're now listed as vulnerable instead of endangered. In the 1900s in North America, the use of a popular insecticide, DDT, started to compound other massive challenges, such as habitat loss, faced by the bald eagle population. It caused the weakening of their eggs, and so the population fell pretty drastically from around 100,000 to just 830 in 1963. The US government banned the use of DDT, as well as introducing other measures to allow the population to soar, pardon the pun, back up to around 20,000 today. I could go on and on. There's the Arabian oryx, which became completely extinct in the wild in the 1970s due to hunting, but because there were captive breeding programs, it meant they could be repopulated, and now they're into the 7,000s. After being declared a pest by the US government of the time, grey wolves were nearly culled to extinction in the 1960s and then were rescued by conservation efforts just in the nick of time. They now are slowly repopulating many of their natural habitats and number around 5,000. The northern elephant seal, the wild turkey, the black-footed ferret, the California condor, the golden lion tamari, the island night lizard, the brown bear, the peregrine falcon, the North American beaver, the West Indian manatee, the Burmese star tortoise. All could have been lost forever, but have thrived when protected from the human errors of the past. Now, I said I would leave the best until last, and here it is. As a little girl, I was pretty sure I would grow up to be a marine biologist. I always loved the ocean and its inhabitants, but whales in particular were absolutely something special to me. Imagine my dismay and 
quite frankly, my disgust when I learned about whaling and how close humpback whales had come to complete extinction. While there is evidence of whaling in most cultures around the world dating back to prehistoric times, from the 16th to the 19th century, commercial whaling hit a huge boom and many species were hunted to near depletion, mainly for the use of oil from their blubber and their meat as well. It's very important to note that before the invention of the more modern methods of whaling, many indigenous cultures had been whaling with minimal impact for thousands of years. However, as humankind came into the early and mid 1900s, many whale species had been so thoroughly drained by the modern whaling industry that it was difficult to even find them. Whaling continues to be an important part of many cultures and traditions. And while I myself will never personally support the intentional death of any animal, I can definitely respect the significance that this represents to so many. I myself firmly believe that the true issue is the use of modern whaling techniques. The misuse of loopholes around whaling for scientific purposes and commercial whaling for financial gain, not whaling for true cultural purposes, which is generally a far more sustainable practice. Now, enough preaching from me. In an effort not to protect the whales, but to improve the whaling industry, many quotas or enforced seasons were proposed between various whaling nations. These were mostly unsuccessful. There were far too many loopholes like, oh, we're only allowed to hunt whales for three months of the year rather than 12 months of the year now. Well then, we'd better hurry up and kill four times as many whales to make up for it. This battle went on within the industry for many decades. However, in 1978, consumer pressure had added to the whaling industry's problem People didn't want whales to die for their products anymore. Finally, the International Whaling Committee called for a ban on commercial whaling, which took effect in 1986. While some countries such as Norway, Japan and Iceland continue large-scale whaling and other countries continue whaling on smaller scales, for the most part, the whaling ban has been a huge success, especially more recently. From 1986 on, with the well-being of the world's humpback whales in mind, we have also brought in rules and regulations to further protect them, such as in Australian waters, you must keep a distance of at least 100 yards and follow speed restrictions so as to reduce the risk of injury. To say that most of the world's humpback whale populations have bounced back in a miraculous fashion is kind of a massive understatement. Eight out of 12 of the different populations are technically no longer endangered. Just one example is the population of whales that breed off the coast of Brazil. Following centuries of commercial whaling in the mid 1900s, the population had dipped to just 450 whales. This population is now estimated at being around 26 thousand, which is only just shy of its original estimated amount of 27,000. This amazing comeback makes my heart sing, 
and transports me to a time in my childhood where every time I was in the water, I could imagine being alongside a whale, thick, smooth skin gliding effortlessly through the water, marked by barnacles and scars that are the only hint at what the whale's experience in its 80-year life has been. Secrets I will never get to know. Strong, muscular fins and tail, using the water to its advantage, pushing itself through the infinite ocean, using its natural intuition and mysterious wisdom to know where to go next. Saving species of animals on the brink of extinction usually seems like an impossible task, but actually we have proven time and time again that with passion and dedication to conservation and protection by people willing to fight for the cause, it can absolutely be done. So what's your impossible task? What did you think up until now was unfortunate but inevitable? Something you just have to accept. And what can you do to challenge it, change it, fight for it? You just might surprise yourself with the results. Thanks so much for being here with me for this episode of Good News, Good Night. Sleep well. Mm-hmm.